Welcome to Bear Balanced. I'm Jeff Burkus, a writer for Windy City Gridiron, and I'm joined by the boss over at that fine website, Lester A. Wiltfong Jr. Lester, we we are in the off season, but we just had a former Bear sign with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to try to chase a ring. Thought it was a good time to come on and talk about some legacies of departed Bears players. Yeah, we got Hicks, we got A. Rob, we have Khalil Mack. You know, we were part of the original Windy City Gridiron crew that put together that top 100 list. You know, so so going through these guys and kind of seeing, you know, where they may fit in the history. I mean, these are all three very popular bears, very good bears. So it's curious to kind of see where they all fit in the in the in the long and 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 storied history of the Chicago Bears. Hey, you mentioned the top 100 list, and we're going to be referring to that a lot tonight. Uh, you know, maybe we can link to that in the story um, on the website uh, sure. if, if you're having trouble finding it. Of course, you can just, you know, just throw it in a Google search if you wanted to refresh your memory. So there was there were six of us that went through a process. Of course, uh, our, our site historian, Jack Silverstein, being one of them, the two of us. Uh, Jacob Infante um, helped put this together. Um, Optimus Prime, Eric. Uh, uh, Eric Christopher DeWachter. DeWachter, uh, sorry, know, I sorry, ECD, name. if I did not pronounce it's that ECD, right. It's ECD, that's top prime. Of course, of course. Uh, and then, of course, Sam Householder Sam, uh, being yeah. the sixth guy. So uh, we had a really good, diverse uh, group of uh, of guys that um, voted on this, that had come at it from different angles, uh, went through uh, 10 rounds of betting. I, I you know, I led the, the scoring process and all this stuff. I remember it was just kind of little bit of, of madness, you know, and trying to rank all these Hall of Famers and getting different perspectives, getting on the same page. Um, but we'll refer to that quite a bit here because I, I do think it's important to try to understand the context of where um, these guys fit in in the pantheon of Chicago Bears. And and I wrote about each of these guys in an article series a couple of weeks ago called exit interview series, all three of these guys. And I did try to place them in. So I'd be curious to hear your feedback. We, you know, if for each of these guys, we'll talk about where I thought that they fit and then we can kind of go from there. But why don't we, why don't we start off with Hicks um, because he just signed here with, with Tampa Bay. And I, I think that the conclusion that I came to about Akeem Hicks was that everything about this was good. I just wish we had more of it. Because he's such an uh, uh, interesting personality, he's a really good player, and it would be really fun to have seen his entire career in navy and orange. Just not the way that it works sometimes. They didn't get him until you know, he was entering, I think, year five of of his career, and now he's going to go finish his career elsewhere. Uh, but I I just wish that we had more Akeem Hicks in Soldier Field wearing navy and orange. You know, the Bears are his third team. I mean, he started off with the Saints. I think he was a, a third-round draft pick. The Saints weren't sure what to do with him. They traded him to the to the Patriots. And then, of course, Bill Belichick, you know, rarely does he let players go that are still productive. He decided to let, let Hicks go, and the Bears, you know, scooped him up. That was probably arguably one of Ryan Pace's best decisions as the GM of the Bears, bringing Hicks in. Hicks, I think, played, you know, six years in Chicago. It's just a uh, – you know, a disruptive force. He only made the one Pro Bowl, you know, but you could argue that that he could have been in a few more. It's just his numbers are great. The injury bug got him the last couple of years, so that, that kind of hurts his overall uh, place in Bears history, but such a fun player to watch. I mean, he truly was the engine that made that defense go from, from the, the uh, five-tech defensive end spot. He moved up and down that line quite a bit. He was just – when you put in the, the all-22 – and, and, you know, we'll talk about Mac in a second, but Hicks, 
Hicks and Mac, those, those two guys, even when they didn't make the play, they did something that was really cool to see. Yeah, he was a guy that could consistently ragdoll offensive linemen, right? Like he would just, just, it just, you know, there's just a moment in time when a guy like that decides, like, no, I'm sick of this. I'm winning this rep and just throws a guy that is, you know, a, a giant human being, 330 pound guards just getting ragdolled and thrown back into the quarterback. And that's the kind of ability that he had. Um, he was just, he, you know, he was a, he was a bear. Like, I mean, he, he looked the part and um, everything about him is pretty interesting. I, I, uh, I wanted to, I'm sharing this on the YouTube channel. Those of you that are listening, if you haven't checked this out on YouTube, go ahead, check us out on the second city gridiron YouTube, hit subscribe. That's really helpful for us. We're trying to hit a, a thousand subscribers, but anyway, I, I, I'm sharing this, this picture and, and this is from my championship belt series. And when I was going through the, you know, at that time, the, the somewhat modern history of the Chicago bears uh, players and trying to determine who the best player was at the time, it was pretty clear that Hicks had had it for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. This was the guy that was the best player on the Chicago bears in 2016 and 2017. And that's pretty significant in terms of, uh, you know, your legacy to this team when you can say like, yeah, this was the best player on the team at the time. Now these were bad teams. These were John Fox teams. They, they didn't win a lot of games, but again, like you said, you could argue this was Ryan Pace's best move. It's certainly his best free agency signing. And it's a, it's one of those moves that I think a lot of people say like, Oh, sign him to a prove it deal. I don't know how you feel about that term. I feel like it's used way too much. Um, he was signing, you know, he was this, this third team, like you said, you know, he's, he's coming off, not, you know, not maybe the most productive uh, years that he had to start his career. You know, he signed a, a moderate deal and, and it wasn't for very long and he earned that second uh, contract from the bears. So I think he quickly established himself as the guy that started to build, rebuild this team to, for that 2018 peak. Yeah, I mean, he was definitely a key to the to the changeover to three four defense. I think it was a two year, ten million dollar deal when he first you know came to Chicago, and he he outperformed that you know right away. I mean, I think his first game he got a sack. He just was disruptive from the start. You know, I mean, he he was, you know, Patty Curl talks about it. he was he was a bear, a real bear. I mean, a giant of a man. You know, he would just you know dominate games, and you know, I think it was. Uh, might have been Brian Baldinger had a had a, a series on YouTube, and it was actually a one on one just talking to Hicks, and Hicks would break down s- some of his moves and just just a phenomenal athlete. The way he thinks about the game, you know, a true student of what he does, and he he really, you know, he was great for Chicago. And and he said it himself, he wished he could have finished his career in Chicago. You know, things went sour last last off season. You know, he wanted to trade. The Bears said he could find a trade. You know, I just think that at, at some point, something soured between him and, and Ryan Pace and or Matt Nagy. It kind of lingered throughout the year. And then, you know, towards the end of the season, of course, at, at some point he was sent home. I mean, he, he didn't even uh, get to finish the season with the team. He just uh, it just went bad. And then, of course, when, you know, they got rid of Nagy, they got rid of Pace. As a fan, I'm thinking, oh, my God, maybe Hicks can come back because, you know, Yes, he's not the perfect fit for the three technique defensive tackle in the new scheme, but he's still a, a penetrating one gap guy. If you cut his snaps down, which is, I'm sure that's what the Bucks are going to do, he's going to be a force. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think he got into an altercation with Nagy the day that we were at camp, 
uh, together. I think that there was, was that was the yeah, day. Yes. There was, there was something that happened. Some with, drama behind the scenes. Yeah. Right. We, we didn't know. We just knew that he wasn't on the field. And we kind of heard some rumblings and we're seeing a little chatter on Twitter and stuff. And we're like, oh, OK, that's interesting. Um, I let, Let's talk about. I want, I want to talk about two more things for sure about Hicks. And, and one of them is the top 100. And then I want to talk about what I think could be a future in Chicago. So let, the, the top 100 list with Hicks is interesting because at the time we had already identified him as a top 100 player. Yeah. Um, and so I, I think Kyle Long was still on the team um, and Kyle Long was, was identified as a top 100 player. And, and, you know, the, his last year, you know, was, was a bad year. He didn't add to his legacy um, in a positive way. And and Hicks was was on the list um, of, you know, about 10 spots later uh, than Long. So Long came in at 75 and uh, and Hicks was identified at number 83. Since that time so that we did the list, it's been a couple of seasons and he's been hurt for most of those seasons. But I think that the narrative around Hicks missing a lot of the the 2020 season was that the defense splits the the defensive splits for when he was on the field and when he was off the field were really drastic yeah and it showed just how valuable he was and he almost got a bump to his legacy by the fact that he wasn't on the field and the team just nosedive yeah that, that was that was uh 2019 he only played five games that was the year he had the uh that freakish, that freakish injury to the elbow. He got, he got mm-hmm. stuck between helmets, and it just, you know, he tried coming back. Um, I think he came back for the Packers game, and he, you know, he he gave. I mean, when he came back, I mean, he he talked about it. He wanted to play the Packers. He had no business playing against the Packers. He played that Packer game and right back to IR. But but that's who Hicks was. I mean, Hicks understood that rivalry. He understood what that meant to Bears fans and what it meant to the franchise. So he wanted to give his all to be out there, and he did that. And then in you know the following year, he only missed the one game. But then last season, he only played, I think, in nine games. So, like you said, the injuries when he was out and he missed, you know, he missed quite a bit. You know, twenty nineteen and twenty twenty one. You know that defense really fell off when he wasn't in there. Right. So, so the, the argument for me was that I think that he could make a modest bump to where he was at based on the, the additional three years that he played, mm-hmm. but I, I wasn't able to move him above Kyle Long. I thought that, that Kyle Long was a really good ceiling to start the conversation. So Long came in at number 75. And then I looked at the the players underneath uh, Kyle Long and, and, and I found a lot of offensive linemen. <laughs> so Kyle Long was in at 75. Mike Pyle, who was the center for the Bears in the 60s. So he won a championship in 1963. Um, and then Big Cat Williams, who I think is a uh, you know just a, a fan favorite for those mm-hmm. that were around to, to watch uh, you know Big Cat play from 91 to 2002. He made a, a Pro Bowl in 2001, so kind of the, the last little bit of his career. It was almost kind of like a career achievement award for, for Big Cat. And, and I found that this was the area that made the most sense to, to put Hicks. And I, I kind of struggled on where that would be. I, I, I ended up in the article putting him after Big Cat. I think that there's an argument that you could make that puts him right after Long. But, I mean, again, these are three players. Mike Pyle played for an entire decade. Big Cat played for a decade plus. He played for 11 seasons. So these guys just had a little bit more in terms of their longevity to the to the franchise. And you start to have a, I don't know, I have a hard time differentiating 
you know, between these, these peaks and these greatness and, and the, the longevity kind of arguments. And so I, it's more of like penciling him in after big cat, but that's where I had, what, what about you? When, when you read that article and, and you saw my placement of Hicks around, you know, the, the big cat Williams area, what did you think? Yeah, I, I agree. I think with with Big Cat, he was a, a really good right tackle for the Bears, and and he he was one of the better right tackles in the game for for a few seasons. But you know, at the, at that era, the right tackle didn't get as much respect as a left tackle. You know, these days, you know, both sides are usually you know you have to have studs on both sides. Back then, your right tackle was still the classic mauler. He was more of a of a run first blocker, and that's what that's what Big Cat was. You know, but like you said, he did get a, a Pro Bowl late in the season. Um, so that kind of helped, you know, solidify him, you know, his place and on our list, obviously. And then with Kyle Long, he, again, he had a shorter career, but I think his highs, three straight Pro Bowls, you know, that kind of, if you're going to have Hicks somewhere near there, that I think Kyle Long's a good comp. You know, he, Hicks doesn't have the same Pro Bowl accolades that Kyle Long does, but I think from, you know, the, the, the shorter season uh, or the, the, the shorter careers, you know, I think Kyle Long, Akeem Hicks, I think it makes sense. So with, hey, I mean, Hicks is, he's up there among the league leaders in, in, in a few categories for the Bears on defense. So, you know, his time was short, you know, but he, like we talked about, he made an impact in Chicago. Yeah. The, the last thing I want to talk about with Hicks, and we can, then we'll move on to Mac, but I, I think that with his personality and just how good of a player he was, um, but maybe not, He, you know, he's not this like multi all pro guy that might draw interest from like a national level perspective. Hicks feels to me like a guy that has a place in Chicago media when he's done. I mean, he that's going to be he's not going to play for seven more years with Tampa and all that's that's who he identifies with. Right. Like this is the majority of his career what um, was was played in Chicago. He made a made a mark that he's a fan favorite. This is, to me, this was kind of a, a blend between Alex Brown, who was a real fan favorite, and Anthony Spice Adams, who I mean didn't make an impact on the field much at all, but was a very entertaining guy yeah. and was a you know beloved teammate. It seems like he's kind of the combination between those two and and maybe a better player than than Alex Brown. Um, and and I think that there's a role for him in Chicago media if if that's something he wants to pursue. Yeah, he he had a role, I think it was on ESPN for a little while. He was one of their guys they bring in, you know, during the week after games, you know, and uh, you know, there was a falling out at the time. I, I forget the the exact story, but I know there was something where he kind of stopped doing his, his radio spot, but but you know he's like you said he has a great personality. Uh, he he was a good player. You mentioned Spice. I think he still does the gig with Fox Thirty Two uh, locally. I think Alex Brown did some stuff with Comcast for, for several years. I'm not sure if he's still there or not, but those are good comps. I mean that's definitely a place where Keem belongs. And you know he, he's talked like we said he's talked about how much he likes the city. You know and and it is reciprocated from Bears fans. Bears fans all love Akeem Hicks. I mean when Hicks left, I mean. Uh, the, the stuff on social media, it's, you know, good luck, Akeem Hicks, you know, you know, a lot of Bears fans, you know, especially this year, since the Bears are going to be down, we're going to be pulling for the Bucks and for Akeem Hicks, you know, mm -hmm. yeah, it's Tom Brady, but you know, it's Akeem Hicks, you know what I mean? That's, that, that would be so cool to see Hicks go out with a ring, you know, if it's not the Bears and it's Hicks, that's, that, that's, that's going to be really cool. Yeah, I, I think that the falling out on the radio thing had to do with someone making a comment about his injury and kind of almost sounds right. Maybe somewhat of an insensitive way to say it. I think it was probably taken wrong and it just sort of escalated. Uh, and 
yeah, I, I don't know about that. So maybe with not those guys, but you know, maybe <laughs> maybe somewhere else. I, I just I want him, I want him to stick around Chicago in some way, shape, or form. For so sure. let's go back a little earlier to the offseason. Let's let's cover Khalil Max. So Khalil Max traded to the the Chargers. The Bears are able to get you know, a, a nice amount of draft capital in return from the Chargers for that. They got their second rounder that was used on Jaquan Brisker. They also got a uh, future six that they ended up flipping for uh, present uh, se- uh, seventh rounders uh, that, that, that they used at the end of the draft. Um, one of those was the the punter that they drafted. And I can't remember what the other pick was off the top of my head. Uh, but, you know, they, they kind of closed the book on the, on the Khalil Mack trade. I, I went back and I had uh, applied some math to how much that ended up costing the bears in terms of present value, which, you know, it's, it's hard when you're grading a trade because in the moment you're going to apply some, uh, some factors with future picks, right? So if you aren't giving up those picks until later drafts, those are generally like devalued in the calculation. And, and so there's that present value isn't there, but when you're looking at it from a historical standpoint, well, those have already happened. So, so you're, so you're actually just going to use the full value um, when you, when you calculate it. And I used our friend Brad Spielberger's chart and I charted what the bears gave up and what the bears got back. And it ended up being something like the, you know, 35th pick or something like that. So kind of like a high second rounder for, you know, four years of Khalil Mack. And, and, and I kind of, I don't know, just off the top of your head, do you feel like that feels okay? I mean, it's a lot of money and yeah. draft capital, but do you feel like from the trade perspective that that felt like it, 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 it created enough value? Well, he, his first year in Chicago was phenomenal. I mean, he, he was, the bears made that deal thinking he was the final piece of the puzzle of, of a team they thought was ready. And, you know, they did pretty good his first season in two, two, 2018 and, you know, made it to the playoffs and, you know, the, it just, uh, since that time, you know, we talk about the injury of Hicks, the injuries kind of get got Mac as well. I mean, he, he fought through a lot of it. Um, but this last couple of seasons, he couldn't, you know, he couldn't get through at all. I mean, he missed, uh, nine games in 2021. Uh, he was banged up quite a bit in 2020. Um, I think, I mean, he may have had surgery uh, last off season to kind of get some things cleaned up. So he was, again, we talk about Akeem Hicks when you watch the all 22, you know, Mac, didn't get the sacks. His first season in Chicago, he had 12 and a half. Um, he, he, the most he had since then was nine. You know, so he didn't have the huge sack numbers, you know, but he was always around the quarterback. He was always getting double teamed. You know, he, he, he made an impact on that defense every time he was out there, whether he was effective or not. He's a guy that the, the opposing coaches had to always know where he was. And, you know, the Bears are smart with how they use them. I thought Vic Fangio dropped him back in coverage a bit too much for my liking. You know, but, you know, he plays outside linebacker. That's what has to happen every now and again in that scheme. So do you, I, overall, me, it, was, it was a good deal. For let me Bears. probe that a little bit because I think that Fangio overall used used him well. Vic yes. Fangio is kind of beyond reproach, right? I mean, he's he's a he's a genius. And, you know, the, the league is now kind of taken by storm at the Vic Fangio scheme, which mm-hmm. is that are calling it the Brandon Staley effect, which is just like, Okay. I mean, Brandon Staley was on that staff in 2018 yeah. with Khalil Mack too. So that that's part of it. And that's why he, you know, with the chargers now wanted, wanted to bring Mack into the fold because he knows how important that is to, to that defense. I wonder if, you know, again, if the, if the double doink doesn't happen, that field goal goes through uh, the bears advance a little bit further in the playoffs 
and 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 maybe Vic Fangio doesn't have the opportunity to take the job in Denver because a lot of times teams get impatient and then mm-hmm. they want to hire a guy early. Um, and Vic Fangio stays around, or maybe the Bears, you know, maybe Nagy actually looked at the staff and said, "Who's internal that I could promote and promote a young buck?" And oh, how about this Brandon Staley guy, right? Just someone other than Chuck Pagano. And I don't want to like drag Chuck Pagano here, but it did, did seem like Pagano was kind of at the end of his coaching rope. He was calling a lot of vanilla schemes. He, he really didn't seem like he brought any creativity and he kind of just said, well, you know, I've got Khalil Mack. I'm just going to like sit him out there in a wide nine and just kind of let him let the offense take him out of the game. Do you think that Max, you know, legacy is impacted negatively by the Chuck Pagano hire? That's a good point because we saw, Last year with Sean Desai, he used Mac a bit more creatively. You know, he he did a few different things where he would scheme them up. And now it's funny to say, well, you shouldn't have to scheme up a great player like Khalil Mack. Yeah, you do. Because an offense's job is to take him away. Right. You have to counter that. And like you said, Chuck Pagano, he didn't want he didn't do too much. You know, I was excited with 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 that hire at the time because what he did in Baltimore, he was he he did a lot of really uh Unique blitzes. Uh, his packages were were really cool stuff to watch. He did a lot of cool stuff on the back end too. To see what he would uh, uh, disguise those coverages. And like you said, a lot of the stuff he did in Chicago more vanilla. Uh, maybe he was just kind of playing out the string. Um, but then we saw Sean Desai. He kind of you know he took things in a little different direction, and he realized you know I have these weapons here in Mac and then with Quinn as well on the other side, and he would move them around and he would kind of scheme them up and scheme them looks to re- to go one on one. And look, if you can scheme Khalil Mack one-on-one, that's a win every time. So Chuck Pagano should, should have done that more. I think, like you said, you know, maybe that does hurt his legacy in Chicago a bit because those numbers weren't quite as big because they expected Mack just to do it all on his own. Yeah, and I think it was just – it was one of those conversations that I feel like I was having a lot with people where they were like, well, look at his sack numbers. He's really not yeah. the big – and it's like he, he is impacting every play he's out there. Like they, they are accounting for that is the guy that they're looking at and saying 52 is over there. Like we're running this way. Right. And it had to be very frustrating for him to be put in that position and not be able to make the impact that, that he was capable of, of making. But in terms of legacy, so, so back to that top 100 list, I, when I, when I look at the top 100 list, I mean, he's a, he, he, when he came in, in 2018, this was, you know, again, the best defense in the league. He's the best player. He's he comes in with the the peak performance, right? He's got a strip sack touchdown against the Packers on a primetime game on opening week, right? Like, I mean, you just can't write it up, write a script better. Of course, you know, the Bears did not win that game. They ended up beating the Packers later that year, which I think was the only Packers win in the Nagy era. <laughs> but you know, he he really did make this like huge entry, right? Like this was like you couldn't write a better WWE entry than, than, than Max, you know, uh, getting traded late in the off season or in the preseason really. And just coming in, he wasn't really in game shape yet. And he just sort of just took over. And, and that whole year he was one of the best players in the league. Now, Aaron Donald won the MVP, but Mac was the only player other than Donald to get defensive player of the year. Donald won the defensive player of the year, not MVP, but Mac was the only player to get votes uh, for that award other than Aaron Donald. So, so, I mean, he was, you know, one of the best two players in the league and it looked like, you know, Hey, this is just going to keep happening. This future's bright. Um, And when I went back and looked at the top 100 list, the, the similarities between him and Julius Peppers Mm -hmm. were so strong. 
I mean, the Bears signed Julius Peppers to a big free agents contract. It wasn't a trade. But other than that, a lot of money going to a defensive, an established defensive star. I mean, Julius Peppers was already on a path when he came to the Bears. And it, obviously, Khalil Mack was too. He already won a defensive player of the year. And so they're, they both had first-team All-Pro seasons. They both had three Pro Bowls in Navy and Orange. And they're both going to go off and and – you know, Peppers played a number of uh, additional seasons, and I'm, I'm sure Mac has quite a bit left in him. And it just, I couldn't get over <laughs> just how similar their impact was. And when I came down to trying to figure out where they fit in in the in the in the pantheon, and, and Wally Chambers is the other guy that I that I ha- at least have to mention. He's a guy from yeah. the '70s. The Bears drafted him. They were terrible in the '70s. He was a defensive tackle. He's kind of like a Tommy Harris of his time. He he was really really good, and he was making Pro Bowls and All Pros on a terrible Bears team. I mean, that's it's really significant. He was very good. He got hurt in a Pro Bowl, and he just was never the same. But the Bears were still able to get a first round pick for him from the Buccaneers who are terrible. The Buccaneers pick ends up being really high and the Bears draft Dan Hampton uh, from from that. So it's like kind of this really kind of crazy history. But to me, those three guys kind of now all grouped together for what they did in the Bears uniform. And what I came to the conclusion of was that Mac was the best player on the best defense. Peppers was arguably the best player on the best defense, but he had first ballot hall of famer behind him and Brian Erlacher. And with Mac being the face of the franchise, I, I, I penciled him in above peppers, but I still am not sure I'm right. So what about you? Where do you think he belongs on this list? Again, that was a great comp. Those guys, I think that's exactly what it is. You took a Mac. He was the face of the franchise when he was in Chicago for that defense. And, you know, if you look at peppers, it's funny because you mentioned peppers, chambers, Mac, those three are, are, three in a row on the all-time bear sack record. Peppers is 15th, Chambers 16th, Mac 17th. You know, it's just a, a sack and a half separates those three players. So, you know, again, they all had short careers in Chicago, you know, but I think you nailed it. You know, Mac was the best defensive player on his time in Chicago, whereas Peppers, you know, he had a, a few other guys that are around him that were, you mentioned Erlach, our first ballot hall of famer. Peppers would be the same. And, you know, I th- think, I think that's the best way to look at it. You know, Khalil Mack's legacy in Chicago, we talked about at the top, you know, I assumed he'd be in Chicago for the rest of his career. Again, things happen quickly in the NFL. You know, the Bears made a change. It was the right move to make at the time. That was the only way to do it with that with the contract. It was kind of like with Peppers. With Peppers' huge contract, he had the Bears at that time. They kept borrowing from the, the from the bank of Peppers. <laughs> right. Kind of, same thing with Cleo Mack. You know, the last few years, the Bears would borrow from his contract to kind of pay things, kept pushing money in the future. You know, the bill always comes due. And, you know, it was best for for Ryan Poles, despite the bullet this offseason. Hey, look, we're going to have a, a reset year here. Cleo Mack is a fantastic player. Let's get the most we can for him. Second and a sixth. I don't think they could have done much better than that. Yeah, and I, I just put up another uh, visual here on YouTube, and and that's for, again from the the uh, championship belt series. And these aren't and Mac- whiskey Rangers graphics; these are all your graphics. These are mine. Yeah, later. whiskey yeah. Ranger disappeared on me, so I, you know, this would have been much better had had Will uh, made all of these, uh, but he stopped. You know, uh, somewhere in the third 
installment of this series. So <laughs> they, the, the the quality goes down quite a bit. Um, but these these but are good though. These are good in their own right. A little these different, are different the, feeling. Part five was, isn't bad, but you know the there there are some good ones, and this this one was kind of fun. I liked how I uh, you know club club dub fight club is a is a great name for the for this uh, imaginary fight. But Mac was clearly the best player on the field. You know, in almost every game he played, but like you know, he he's the best player on the field for the Bears in 2018, 2019. This 2019 is when this this came out, um, and and I and I think 2020. You know that it would have extended to 2020. The interest there's going to be an interesting conversation that I'm going to have to have at some point and determine if the belt changed hands last year in 2021 when he you know basically was injured. And he can't reclaim it because he doesn't play for the team anymore. Yeah. So, so at this point, you know, the, the belt is either being held by somebody else. Um, I mean, I have an idea, but it's not I have exactly, an idea too. He's not exactly having a very uh, positive off season right now, so I'm kind of holding off uh, on that. And then I think that, um, you know, it, but again, it's significant. He's he's he he was the belt holder for for three years at, at least, and so. You know, again, that that adds to his legacy. Again, to put a guy at fiftieth overall and have him only have played for four years is a statement. I mean, that is that is saying something. But it was this was a very and one of those years being, you know, in injured reserve, and another one of those years fighting through an injury. So, but it is a significant um, legacy that he he gave the Bears because it was this this fast rise for this really fun year. And he was an incredible player and he was the face of the franchise. They put him on the bobblehead, right? They, you know, they, they did everything to basically say like, this is the guy you guys love linebackers, this Chicago, you love linebackers. Here's another one in this, in this great pantheon of linebackers. That's a good point. You talk about, they put him on that bobblehead. I mean, that was, I think that was key of that season. I mean, the franchise knew what they had in him. They knew he was the guy and, you know, they, they wanted to play that up as much as possible. So, you know, I think putting him where, where you got him on, on our top 100, I think when we eventually do go back and, and, and revisit the list in a, in a year or two, you know, I think where you got him is probably right around where he'll end up. All right. Well, let's pause right here for a quick commercial break. And then on the other side of this, we'll get into the thorny <laughs> legacy of Alan Robinson. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, Lester, we're back. So let's talk about a Rob here. And I think this one's a little bit harder because when I came into this exercise, I thought for sure that I would have very nice things to say about Allen Robinson and his legacy and where he fits in the top 100 for the Chicago Bears. But when I really started to go back and look at things, I I found it difficult to to make a positive argument for for his impact on the Bears. It just fell well short of what his talent level told us he could do. Part of it, obviously, is the offenses he played in, uh, the quarterbacks he played with. I think if he had a little different situation, his legacy would uh, would have been a, a little a little a little shine a little brighter in Chicago, but. It's hard. I mean, you know, especially with how things kind of ended up the last season, you know, I mean, yeah, he missed some games because of COVID, you know, he, but you know, the, the effort when he was out there, I hate questioning a guy's effort because no one knows exactly what's right. going on here. But, and then of course you look at the sit, like I said, the situation, you know, how Matt Nagy chose to use his receivers is just unreal. You know, Allen Robinson should have been, he should have held every single receiving record in, in Chicago. There's no doubt in my mind he should have had that, but the contract status kind of got the best of him. You know, things soured again with him, Ryan Pace, Matt Nagy. You know, with with Robinson, he never really came out and said anything. You know, but you knew it was there. I mean, you kind of felt it. His his agent was on Twitter all the time chirping. You know, and he's not he's not doing that on his own. I mean, he works for the player. You know, so it's out there. You know, he he clearly wasn't happy. You know, things kind of soured and, you know, in, in L.A., the Rams love him. I mean, he's, you know, he has been so far as advertised for the Rams and, you know, he's going to he's going to slide right into that to that role there and be one of their their top players on, on that offense. Yeah, I mean, it's nice that he gets to go to an advanced offense that just came off a championship <laughs> that has a target hog already on the team and Cooper Cup. So, you know, he doesn't have to necessarily worry about carrying that load he's basically replacing that robert woods type role for for the rams but i mean if you kind of just look at what he was able to do in chicago you know that 2018 year he he was coming off of an acl injury Mm -hmm. you know he didn't necessarily have the the best season right he had 55 grabs for 750 yards not not great you know that's over uh 13 games 12 games started so you know he didn't have the best year only four touchdowns but you just felt like there was something more there, you know, Hey, it's the first year off that ACL. But again, that's not exactly a statistically significant year for a wide receiver in the modern NFL. So you go to 2019 and he pops it to everything that we wanted, right? It's 98 grabs, 1149 yards, seven touchdowns. Like, okay, now we go, right? This is the guy that's going to, he's going to climb up the leaderboard. I wrote this big statistical article and I was like, he's going to break every record. Look, here's how it happens. I, I was with you right there with you. And, and, you know, and it made a lot of sense. And in 2020, it looked like I was, you know, right on track, right? He had an even better year in 2020, 151 targets, 
102 uh, catches, 1,250 yards. So like, the same, about the same amount of targets as the year before, but he, he had four more grabs and, and a few more yards, six touchdowns. So again, he is just starting to like put together back-to-back campaigns. He just needs one more thousand yard campaign and he's going to break the, that record. You know, there's been no bears receiver that's had a thousand yards more than, more than in two seasons. Right. And, you know, he's not that far away from making some significant gains to get up in the top 10. Like, you know, this is going to be great. I had a whole tracker on Twitter, like ready to go, where I would like say, Hey, he passed this guy. He passed that guy. I I just kept track. And then at some point, 2021, it just fell apart. And, And I think that, Again, we don't know this stuff in terms of we don't have inside information or anything. We're not, you know, we're not sharing anything that we, you know, but if you're trying to just read the tea leaves, there was almost certainly a good contract offer put on the table. I'm not saying he should have taken it. I'm saying that there was something that was probably reasonable put in front of him. Events happen where like Keenan Allen signed his deal and it now made that deal look like, well, that's not good enough. I need a little bit more. Ryan Pace said, no, like this is what we had carved out for you. And they came to a stalemate. He ends up playing on the franchise tag in his last year. It's all soured. He doesn't necessarily have a very good year. And it leaves leaves a bad taste in the mouths of a lot of Bears fans. I mean, I, even talking about Allen Robinson on Twitter or in an article, I mean, People just come out of the woodwork to say, like, basically, F him. I have no interest in talking about Allen Robinson. So I think that, you know, 2021 is a lost year. So you really take that that apart here. You've got 2021 and 2018 as kind of like non-years. And now you're only talking about two productive seasons for a wide receiver. It's tough to really make a case that he has this great place in Bears history with that that, uh, production. If the Bears were a more modern type franchise, then his numbers would really, you know, be nothing. But as it is, he's ninth all time in receptions in Bears history. So, you know, he he put up some for the Bears anyway, some good numbers in Chicago. But as far as the history, like I said, he only has two nice seasons. And then, of course, it was that sour taste in everyone's mouth. What happened there? And and, and it's right. I mean, Twitter, social media, Facebook. Uh, the comment section at our site, you know, fans really turned on Allen Robinson and, you know, he brought some of it on, on his, on himself, you know, but yeah. Another thing I look at the, with that season is the off season is that was the, the, the year the cap dropped, you know, so that was the, that, sure. was, that was the COVID year, you know, uh, I think had that not happened, I think the bears may have figured out a way to kind of make a extension work with him. You know, I mean, peak Allen Robinson, if he would have been peak Allen Robinson last season, he would have helped out Justin Fields. Right. If, if he would have somehow been under contract, you know, uh, let's say he would have been extended having him in the fold in Chicago helps out Justin Fields. He's a good football player, but like a lot of fans, you know, see, and, and like a lot of us see what he did on the field. He just did not seem like the same player, you know, offense is a part of it. Andy Dalton, Nick Foles, Justin Fields is, is part of it, you know, but, where can you put him when he just only has those two productive seasons as a Chicago bear? Well, let's talk about that a little bit. So the, at the end of the top 100 list, there's a couple of wide receivers. So when you put Khalil Mack in the list, it moves everybody in the bottom 50 down one. So we have to remember that. So on the original list, uh, Marty Booker was 98 and Alshon Jeffrey was 99 and Curtis Conway was not on the list. 
he would have been probably in that next group of 10. He was close, I remember. Yeah. He was he was close. But those three guys grouped together pretty well. So you moved him down one with, with the inclusion of Max. And now you're talking about Booker at 99, Alshon at 100, you know, Conway right off of the off the t- table. And you look at those two productive seasons with being over a thousand yards, one of them with hundred catches, and you compare it against those guys. And I found it difficult to put Allen Robinson above Alshon Jeffrey. I found it difficult to put Allen Robinson above Marty Booker. And and I know our colleague Bill Zimmerman let's say like he Allen Robinson is a better player than Marty Booker. I know we yes. all love Booker, but he's a better player. That's not what this exercise is. Yeah. This is their impact on Chicago Bears history. And and I I have a heart. I I really can't put him above Alshon. Alshon was drafted by the team. Alshon had some soft tissue issues and, and couldn't stay on the field, um, you know, for from health. But he was a you know go get it big ball wide receiver. He put up you know really good numbers in a couple of seasons. And he was a guy that I I just have a hard time saying that Allen Robinson was better than Alshon Jeffrey. Is he better than Marty Booker? I kind of don't. I mean, as a, as a pure athlete, sure. As a pure receiver, sure. But again, in his production, and Booker was at it for longer in a, in a Bears uniform, I can't put him above there either. So so to me, I wasn't able to put put Robinson in the top 100. Do you disagree with me? Would you put him in? No, I, I mean, you can't. I mean, you mentioned those guys. Again, those are good comps with 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 Booker, with Conway, with Jeffrey. All, all, three of, all three of those guys have more receptions in their Bears career. I believe they all have more yards. I think Alshon Jeffrey may be third all time. Um, and yeah, he's third all time in, in, in Bears history with, uh, you know, 4,500 yards. Again, we're talking about really pedestrian receiving numbers here. But for what he was, Alshon Jeffrey, in just his four seasons, you know, third all time in, in receiving yards. So, you know, you, you can't put him above those guys. And if those are guys at the bottom of the list, of course, he's not going to be above Harlan Hill, who's on our list somewhere. I'm not sure where we ended up putting him, but, you know, that's, you know, you got to look at the uh, the legacy and, and we got to keep going back to it. He only had two productive seasons and that really hurts his overall uh, value to the, to the franchise. Yeah. So a bit of surprise for me when I was doing the exercise again, I thought that he'd be somewhere, but when I got into it, I, I just couldn't, I couldn't put him in, but I want to, I want to talk about these teams that these guys are now on. So, you know, if you look at betting odds or over-unders, right, the, these guys are now playing for three of the favorites in, yeah. in, in the entire league to win the Super Bowl. So Hicks goes to the Bucks. They're the favorites in the NFC right now. With with Brady coming back, yeah. with them kind of re- reloading, they're they're the favorites. Allen Robinson goes to to the, the defending champion Rams. They're right there. They're they're right there with their betting odds. So so the two top NFC teams that aren't wearing green and yellow, um, the there's there are now former bears playing there and good former bears playing there. And then the chargers are, I know that the chargers didn't make the playoffs last year. I know that there may, some people feel like they're getting a little overhyped, but I, this is a, this is a team that loaded up and and they've got a lot of talent. They've got an emerging star quarterback. Um, They're going to be in a tough division, but it would not surprise me if the chargers make a deep run as well. So you have, three guys that could potentially be playing deep into the playoffs for a ring. And that gives bears fans. And again, a lot of bears fans probably aren't going to root for the Rams, but it gives bears fans a lot of, of options to choose from teams that are going to be competitive this year, because now you have that bears connection to a couple of these contenders. 
you know, real quick about it here, Rob. I mean, yes, last season kind of sour in him, but this is a guy that was very active off the field, uh, very active in, in Chicago. His charity is still active in Chicago. You know, he did a lot for the city of Chicago. And, you know, I'm not going to let one bad year with, with a contract status, you know, sour my outlook on A-Rob. I'm a fan. I mean, I, yeah. I, I want to see all three of these guys do well. You know, um, I, I would think that, of these three, like you said, with Akeem Hicks, I think he has the best chance with Tom Brady and the Bucks, you know. But the Chargers, you know, yeah, they haven't made the playoffs last few years, but that's a that's a young up and coming team. I mean, they have one of the best quarterbacks in the game, and this is a quarterback league. It's a tough division, sure, but the Chargers should be right there. The Rams are going to be right there. They have a proven system, you know. They have, you know, they have a, a good quarterback as well. So these three teams should make deep runs in the playoffs, and it should be fun, at least as for Bears fans, because you know. We're probably not going to see Justin Fields in the playoffs this season. So at least we got a few guys we can kind of watch. And, hey, that guy used to be a bear. Let's, let's at least cheer those guys on. Yeah, the Chargers have long been my second team. So been, I'm, yeah. I'm very excited about the prospects of the, the, the Chargers maybe putting together a run. Chargers don't have a lot of fans. So I've always felt like, okay, about having a second team. Why it's is a, that? That's weird. The Chargers have the coolest uniforms, I got to say. Uh, the powder blues are amazing, but even their even their other kits look really yeah. good right now. Like they they really do have a good uniform set. Um, I mean, I, I'm partial to blue anyway, so so that 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 kind of works for me. But yeah, they've got a lot of fun players, and you know, I I, I I'm excited for them. And and again, it's an AFC team, so you know, you only see them once every four years, and yeah. um, you know, you don't really have to to worry about you know split loyalties. And of course, I you know, if the Bears play them, of course, I'm gonna cheer for the Bears. But uh yeah, th- that could be fun. And then, you know, in the next couple of years, maybe we see Justin versus Justin in the Super Bowl. That's nice. that'd be the nice. goal. So you heard it here first, JB called it. Yeah, there you go. 2023. Yeah. So I, I think that overall though it is interesting to see these these players move on and, and you just give it a sense of where the Bears are in the cycle, uh, you know, in terms of rebuilding and competing and where these guys are that do have value because they're now being considered some of those final pieces for teams that are looking to make a late run or a, a, a deep push into the playoffs. And so that that's, it, I think it's kind of cool to see. And, and we'll see if, if Ryan Poles decides that Robert Quinn um, is, is a trade ship in the season and someone who he's trying to maybe pull a, you know, a Von Miller type, trade package for feels like it doesn't it It does feel like it right like the you know you've got precedent set you see if you can maybe pull some nice draft capital from someone if he's able to come out and have a you know a strong start to his season um i'm I'm curious to see if he's he's able to to move quinn but uh real quick before we get out of here i wanted to at least just mention kyle fuller so kyle fuller recently signed with the baltimore ravens obviously he left last year but i think that it's worth mentioning Kyle Fuller in his place in Bears history. So this is a, a a corner that earned first team All Pro honors. That's not something that's happened very often. The Bears don't have a very deep corner history. I think Tillman's the best corner in team history. If you go way way back, right, like Red Grange played played corner, but like no one talks about Red Grange. Just I mean. He was a surprisingly good cornerback is what you read in the history books, you know, and you're like, yeah, okay. But no one was talking about corners in the 1920s. Yeah. Um, you know, after that though, there, there really isn't, there, there really aren't guys that have peaks like first team all pro at corner. And so I, I'm curious to hear, you know, you don't have to give me a number where he would live in that list, but you know, what do you think of Kyle Fuller's 
legacy as a bear? Where would he maybe fit if we if we, we redid this list? Now, I remember when we did the list, the, the top 100, cornerback was tough for us. Because a lot of the a lot of the, the guys have to have a, have a are in the top of the stats with the interceptions, you know they didn't get the Pro Bowl accolades. You got J.C. Caroline, Rosie Taylor, you know the the guys that played the secondary, uh, Dave Witzel, Benny McRae. You know some of these older guys was hard for us to kind of place. But I think with a guy like, you know Fuller, I think you know he has the the first team All Pro a few years back. You know he's been to a Pro Bowl. You know, I think his his peaks, I mean, he, he was a great fit for what the Bears wanted to do. He was a physical player. You know, he fit for the city of Chicago because he played he played, played DB physical. And that's what we that's what we as Bears fans want. We want the guy like, you know, Peanut Tillman, Gary Fenson. We want those physical players in the secondary. You know, I think in Cal Fuller, he was that. And 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 again, we talk about guys that had strange careers. You know, he basically had a gap year where he was he yeah. missed the, the whole season. And I don't think it ever came out what his injury was. There was never a surgery. You know, it was just kind of one of those things where I believe the most that came out, it was something with the may have been a knee. Whatever it was, he didn't play. And, and as Bears fans, we all thought, oh, he's done. Right. And then he comes back and he he thrives. So you know, I think you got to kind of put that in place as well. And you know, I think he was he made the uh, the 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 the, the all rookie team his first season. You know, I remember he had a really good year as a rookie. Where does he fit in, in the all-time? I mean, he's definitely someone we're going to have to discuss towards the bottom part of it. But, you know, I, you can't put him above some of his other corners we talked about. Um, Charles Tillman is probably the best corner uh, ever in Chicago history. So, sure. you know, where does Fuller put? It's hard to say right now. But he'll be in the conversation the next time we do this list for sure. Now, I, I will say <laughs> that we have, we have Charles Tillman too high on our list probably um, but it's because we love him fans. yeah we, yeah, we I mean just I mean, he is my favorite player of all time and Same. i know yeah, that it was my fault <laughs> to, to, that i pushed i pushed a little bit too hard uh to to get him a, a high ranking well but, i think that the voting was it was all weighted vote so wherever right. you put him in your group of 10 that's the number that he carried in, in inverse order so i think you may have kept giving him that big boost. That I gave him a there. big boost, but there I could I can't carry the whole vote myself. So no, other no, no, people no. were yeah. doing it with me. I, I, but I'm I, sure I, I was. I'm a big fan as well. Yeah, I, I'm part of that's my problem. But you know that I was I was really high on Ed Sprinkle, and that proved to be you know a, a nice Hall thing. Of when you got into now, Hall yeah. of Famer now. Yeah. So so that was good good to see. But anyway, fun stuff. I I do think Kyle Fuller is on the list. I but I do think it's probably somewhere in the 80s or 90s, and I'd have to really kind of study it to kind of see. I don't think he has a really good comp i just i just don't think that he has someone who just because of the bears cornerback history just isn't great um in terms of you know the guys there's just a lot more interceptions back you know back in the 60s yeah. and 70s they're just kind of swinging it around everybody seems to have interceptions so it's not you can't really go off of that but i do think he has a place and and you know unfortunately part of his legacy is that he was drafted one one spot after the probably the best defensive player ever <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> it was gonna be a bear like we were already making up 99 jerseys you know i was ready that season Donald in the Donald. back i mean oh, man God, yeah. uh what a what a what a kick in the you know anyway so uh i think that this is a good spot to just basically close the book on these guys and on this this iteration of the bears i think from from now on not that we've been wallowing in the past or anything but but i think at this point it's like okay we we have now tried to examine the legacy of these guys now we're moving on 
now it's this it's the ryan poles era he's putting his stamp on it uh let's move forward and see how he builds this team around justin fields and what this looks like it should be fun i mean this season may not be as exciting as we all want as bears fans but it's it's going to be fun i mean there's going to be a lot of uh, a lot of interesting things happening with the offense you know the defense you know we talk about the past It'll be a nod to the past with the, with, with with some of the the Lovey Smith principles, uh, the hits philosophy that you know they have there. So it's going to be a fun season. We're going to have a, a team. I think as Bears fans, we can all be proud of. You know, they're going to play to the whistle. They're going to play hard. You know, the you know too often we saw the dumb penalty creep in, and that's something I don't think we're going to see much. It's going to happen. These guys are human. It'll happen once in a while. But I think that's something that you know they're really making an effort to be a disciplined. A group of players and i think that's going to shine on the field and i think as fans you know at least we'll have that to, to at least look to it and say hey we're bears fans and it's okay to be bears fans again you know let's, let's you know wear the hats the jerseys let's get out there well it's uh it's now june 1st and you know summer i mean to me this is summer right i don't you know, the official start of summer is until late of the month i don't care like to, to me when june when june's here it's summer so now we can start thinking about camp you know we'll, we'll have some off-season content i'm very close to releasing episode one of the bears hopium den which is my look at you know conversations with bears fans and different angles and groups of where people come from i had i've had a lot of fun recording those conversations i'm i'm ready to start rolling those out i think i'll probably release episode one next week oh, and, nice. and that'll be a weekly thing where we go probably 10 episodes um worth of content and we'll we'll kind of roll those out throughout the summer once a week and get it get an idea of what your fellow bear fans are into and where they come from and you know kind of what makes them tick and their thoughts on some of the uh, happenings and and what's going on with the franchise. So I, I think it's going to be a fun series. It's going to be a fun summer series. And we got a lot of other stuff that we're going to be working on as well. Anything that you want to plug before we get out of here? It's it's the summer. I mean, right now, I mean, things are starting to slow, slow down a little bit. Uh, there's one more OTA coming up. So I'm sure there'll be some news popping from that. Then, of course, the, the mandatory mini camp is uh, towards the middle of June. But, but once that happens, then things kind of get kind of quiet. And so you may see some some crazy creative things going on from us at the site and, and, and the YouTube channel and the podcast channel. Yep. So keep it tuned there and we'll uh, we'll get out of here with the podcast. So thanks for joining us, guys. And uh, see you next time. Bear down. <laughs>